Carter. Uh, I'd like to welcome uh, uh, Brent Leary. Welcome, Brent. I'm glad I'm descendant, I guess. Well, you, you, had, you cocked your head a little bit like, what? So <laughs> you, you won the lottery. Oh. Uh, also uh, from the Pacific Northwest is uh, Michael Markman. What do you do? Greetings, uh, Pacific Northwest. Joining from a, a city that I don't recognize is Frank Radis. Hi, mate. <laughs> That's all you get. Yeah. It's resplendent order. And uh, from, uh, the, from the Atlantic Northeast is uh, Dennis Pombriant. That would be me. And uh, manning the uh, the battleship, of course, is our producer director Tina Chase Gilmore, uh, who's there. Did you introduce Keith? Oh yeah, Keith Tier. <laughs> you know, as soon as he said "descending order," I knew exactly what was going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> but you didn't give that away, or you would have been first. I was trying to think of what the joke could be when you finally got There to is no joke. That's the joke. There's nothing funny about the situation that we're in. Uh -oh. I think somebody that Tina's been following on uh, Facebook uh, decided to give up on any more vi virus humor. I think he ran out of jokes. I thought he ran out of them at the beginning. Okay, so uh, anybody uh, have a clue? I'm, I'm just desperately trying to stay positive. Oh, good luck. Well, the, the Swedish uh, epidemiologist who's in charge of Sweden's strategy during uh, COVID-19 is kind of an optimist in a lot of ways. He's really interesting. There's a, there's a British... Uh, YouTube channel called Lockdown TV that interviewed him, which uh, you can find. And you probably all are aware Sweden is the one country that's gone for what you could think of as a light touch lockdown, social distancing, but not forced to stay at home unless you're in a vulnerable group, um, which is older people and people with pre-existings. Pre and he did this half hour long interview where he ridiculed the lockdown strategy and, and it's the first time I heard somebody that I thought was sensible, logical, rational, scientific make the case uh, for his point of view which was um, everybody is going to get this, 50% of us have already had it but don't know and um, none of us will die unless we're in a vulnerable group unless you're very unlucky. Therefore, let's protect vulnerable groups, but let's not close down society and we can deal with this. It was kind of a humanistic, this virus can't beat us kind of outlook. Um, so it was very different to the street protests that say, uh, you know, uh, liberate uh, such and such a state that Trump's doing. It was a, a rational scientific version of the same thing. I'm not saying I agree with it, but it was kind of refreshing to hear a different framework that wasn't completely crazy. 
Well, that's nice, but it sounds like it's almost completely devoid of fact. Um, you can't you can't start by saying by assuming uh, you've got fifty percent coverage already and, and that we're not going to die from it. That's that's a lot of supposition. Yeah, but we and have to we, we have to assume that uh, only because uh, testing is to? not available. Have to that's. I mean, yeah, you know, people who play Russian roulette assume there's no no bullet in the chamber. <laughs> no, I, 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 you know, the guy is a scientist, so it isn't totally devoid of fact. And Sweden's numbers are real. Well, um, yeah, but did did Sweden do what he suggested? Is that yeah. how they did it? Yeah, he yeah. he's in charge of it. Hmm. Uh, well, it sounds like they did what Trump wanted him to do, but without a gun. Well, you know, you've got a you've got a big issue here with with just drawing the line. Where, where is the line between uh, it's safe for me to get it, or uh, I could end up with a serious pneumonia and die? I mean, we, we know we know that if you're in your twenties, that's you're pretty safe, and maybe you've already had it and you've got an antibody, and we. We just don't know. We know that if you're in a nursing home, you're you're not safe, and you have to avoid the virus at all costs. But where's that middle ground? And as it as it turns out, the the middle ground isn't isn't strictly age related. It's uh, pre-existing illnesses. It's it's a lot of things. And uh, whether if you if you take that position, then you you might not be screening for COVID nineteen or coronavirus because you don't have the testing. But you're still going to have to get kind of a rigorous uh, analysis by a doctor of your health before you. Well, what is the before anybody says, yeah, yeah, go go play Russian roulette. And and how how about their testing scheme, um, Keith? What what do you know about that? It's pretty much uh, a second thought for them because he, he assumes that most healthy people are going to get it, and he wants them to actually. He wants most healthy people to get it. Um, so he's played the whole strategy to protect people who might die. So the Swedish death rate is no worse than anyone else's. In fact, it's a bit better. Well, that's not true, actually. Uh, the other Scandinavian countries, they, they have about double the rate. Sweden doesn't. No, Sweden has uh, about double the rate of uh, what are the other two countries? Uh, uh, Denmark, 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 double Denmark. Sometimes Finland. <laughs> I, I'm not oh, trying yeah. to be an advocate uh, either way. I'm just, I, I, I speaking thought, as a member of the vulnerable group uh, because of age, uh, I don't hear any strategy that actually speaks to that coming from Sweden. Do I, you, Keith? Uh, well, look, it made sense to me. Uh, look, I'll, I'll tell you some quotes from him. This is no worse than the flu, except it's more contagious. It won't kill more people than the flu, but it is more contagious. Um, you can't, we haven't got a virus, so you have to get immune to it. People who get it won't die unless they're in a vulnerable group. Therefore, you know, A plus B plus C, blah, blah. It isn't irrational. It is. It just isn't. I mean, it's the opposite of fear. That's true. And it could be, you could argue that it's a flagrant disregard for life. But he covered himself on that by 
having very stringent lockdowns for vulnerable groups. So, and it, by the way, he's in his 60s, 70s even, and thoughtful, PhD, been an epidemiologist forever. He's not, it's not some kind of crazy guy. Michael Martin. It makes, it makes logical sense. I don't know how it can apply in a country where it's the, where the whole issue has become so politicized and divisive. Uh, it's hard to find rational solutions at this point. Brent Larry, you're in a, a semi-rational state, Georgia, correct? Oh yeah. Yeah. We're, we're all the way rational here. We're getting ready to open back up uh, on Friday. He and, said uh, semi. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're going full bore rational here. Our governor, one of rational the AF. He says we're ready to open up on Friday and we're going to open up. We're going to social distance, but we're going to open up and we're going to open up first gyms. We're going to open up our gyms first. So want to get your yeah, sweat on. Smart. We're going gyms first. We're going tattoo parlors. Got to get those Nails hot on. needles, stick those arms and other body parts. We're going to get that mm. going. We're also going to open up our restaurants. We're, restaurants. We're going to be eating in our restaurants after we work out in our gyms and get our nails done and our hair did. You could have had Stacey Abrams. <laughs> we should have <laughs> had, we, we probably did have Stacey Abrams, but the guy who was running the election, he was also running for governor. Mm. Guess who won? Kowinki <laughs> mm. Dick, I'm sure. We, we, we even know that over here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, over there, what, uh, how's that going? Oh, it's, uh, it's, it's going all right. I mean, we have the National Health Service, thank you very much. Uh, but that's, you know, I, but that's, that's not why I'm here tonight, though. I, I honestly, I, I find this very interesting, and, and, and it makes me wonder why he who shall not be named hasn't picked up on this yet and used it as an excuse. Um, uh, I imagine that we could probably have some kind of a, of a, of a little game with this, a drinking game or something, as to when it when this is going to happen, when well, I'll, Trump's going to start let's talking. Have a about drinking it. game for when you're going to say what you were trying to say. I, I have a completely different thing I want to talk about. So when this has been a, a, a exhausted, I I'll bring it up. You want me to bring it up now? Well, I, 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 I we may lose Dennis, but yeah, sure, go ahead. Okay with me. <laughs> I I just you know look I wrote I wrote it. Yeah, Dennis, you didn't do anything, man. You're cool. Uh, <laughs> he just, is it about TV? It's about TV, but huh. it's about... I have one. <laughs> it's, about, it's, about, it's, about, it's about journalism. I actually think that, that broadcasting the, the, the afternoon, uh, the evening, whatever time it is over there, uh, uh, briefings by the president, that's technology. That's not journalism. And I, I, just, I just am totally against the live broadcasting of these things. And I say that from a guy who's a technologist and a journalist. Uh, and I'm just flabbergasted that, that um, uh, more people don't bed in the New York Times. I guess it was about a week ago about this. I totally agree with it. And um, you know, to me, that's, I think that's really critical. I think that there's just too much misinformation getting out there. I, I think, for example, Keith, if Trump were to talk about what was going on uh, in, in regards to what you were talking about, it would come out in a, in a misinformed way because it's so easy 
to take what you've said and what that doctor said about that country and make it sound plausible. You did it, but it would be misinformed, and it wouldn't it wouldn't be something that would happen in in American society or even in British society right now. This, this, the key this to the key that, to the Swedish approach is protecting the vulnerable, and that's never been part of the conversation in in uh, coming from the white house the white house is either it's binary open or closed it's not it's not trying to draw boundaries around people who are most susceptible to dying well do you believe that he that that, that it's actually that he that he is at foremost trying to protect anybody yes his own reelection is what he's trying yeah, to protect yeah yeah i you know i i i recently switched in my head, I used to I used to be an advocate of what you're saying. Don't broadcast them. Lately, I'm thinking, you know, the the more he talks, the lower his approval rating goes. Uh, the, the the thing about Trump is that everyone's attitude toward him is locked. You're either in the cult or you're not in the cult, and uh, his his presence does nothing but annoy people who will vote against him in November. So I say, put him on as often as you can. Well, but you know, I, I, there, the whole, uh, the other part of this for me is, you know, there, there's three different kinds of ways to advertise and it's earned media, it's paid media and it's owned media. He ended up with such a, an outrageous amount of earned media prior to 2016 that I believe that journalists didn't learn their lesson from that. And I think if they had this, we wouldn't be in this situation in regards to having a conversation about whether or not uh, there should be a live broadcast of these uh, of these events or not. I've, I've actually been arguing with an awful lot of people about this. And, you know, I, I, it, I, it really, to me, it boils down to real, really something simple. To me, journalism is, is the ability of, of uh, someone, a journalist, to uh, to witness an event um, and then cull it into the things that that event means, puts it, put it into context and then report it. Uh, and just by putting a camera up and shooting it uh, is not journalism. That's, that's kind of my point. But yes, I, I don't think I, I, is it, is it journalists who are making the decision to air it or is it uh, someone in management who's not a journalist? Because well, on, on Twitter, the, the, I, I see many journalists from networks that carry the briefings say, don't carry these briefings live. Now, I don't know why they're telling yeah. Twitter that and not telling their management that. But well, but you, but I don't uh, think the you journalists know, are making the decision to put them on the air. Well, here is the thing. Wait a minute. Let me, let me, I have a point. I, 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 I see what you're saying, but I happen to know that the three guys who run the three networks are journalists. They actually, though, happen to have. Uh, a, a problem and the problem is that they run the networks so there's a they have to be business oriented so I clearly put it on what's good for this is what Les Moonves said he certainly wasn't a journalist but you know it's not good for the country but it's good for CBS there there is a a conundrum that these guys have to, have to deal with but Andy Lack and the and and uh, and and the woman that runs uh, 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 CBS News than the person that runs uh, ABC News. These guys and gals are journalists, and but they're stuck in the middle of this as 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 now being business people. So I, it, it does promote it out of journalism some... to management. My exactly, uh, my exactly. My observation it, it might be informed by the fact that I'm not American born, but 
the whole dynamic between the federal level and the state level is so weird to me. It, it's, it's like um, this, the idea that the United States is a, is a nation doesn't really exist because every state has control over so many elements in a situation like this. Um, now, partly because of Trump, you don't want federal authority because you know he'd blow it. On the other hand, you're crying out for it because you can see that 50 different strategies doesn't make any sense. And, and so I, 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 I kind of puzzle with the resolution of the Civil War that led to the federal, uh, the federal system where um, for some things Congress matters and the presidency matters, but for things like this it really doesn't. It's, it's kind of weird to me. Well, I think the dynamic of what's been going on between the White House and the states has been so muddled anyway in the last few weeks that, that you know, it's, it's, he's taking federalism and he's turning it into states' rights, and then he takes states' rights and it becomes the federal government's right. I mean, they're, they're, you know, that is so confused right now. It's, it's, um, I, I'm not even sure, as an American who lives in England, I'm not even sure what to say about that. I think it's interesting, by the way, the way that um, uh, the, uh, the news conference is held here in the UK, Keith, I'm sure you've seen it, where, the, the three, th where there are three leaders and all of the questioning is coming electronically from reporters in the field uh, or in their offices or in their homes. Uh, and there's no one in the room. So there's no ability for, and I, and I actually think the Brits are way more sophisticated than, than Donald Trump because there's no way that they're going to be yelling at reporters in a room uh, because there are no reporters in the room. That, that actually has, that works. Um, to, it's odd how, how I'm sitting here saying, that's okay, do that one live, but don't do Trump live. And maybe it's because I have a point of view. Dennis, any thoughts? Well, well, it's it's not simply whether or not to do Trump live or do the other guys live. Trump has has uh, not only not earned the right to be live, but he's he's disproved his his claim on being live by showing propaganda and treating these these events as as uh, campaign uh, events rallies rallies. Yeah. So so I think. I think you have to look at it at, on a case by case basis. I think uh, I think what, what they're doing over in, in the UK sounds pretty good to me. I think it's it's a pretty reasonable approach. Uh, like everything that t Trump touches, he he uh, corrupts it. He's corrupted the the entire presidency. The all, all of the uh, the norms and, and values that weren't written down into into do this, don't do that kinds of laws. He's run roughshod right over. So why shouldn't why should the press conference be any different? And why should we cover that? He right. also run roughshod over many things that are written down. In addition, precisely. Brent, you agree with what? I just miss the local news. You know, it used to be at six o'clock. You could turn on any local news station and get news on what's going on in your local area. Now it's it's a press conference slash uh, substitute for a campaign rally. I mean, he's playing video clips. You know, I'm I'm waiting for him to start the chant. You know, <laughs> lock her up chant with all the 
the uh, guys in the press, you know, looking at themselves saying lock her up. Because this is all it is. I mean, this is, it's, uh, somebody said propaganda. I mean, this, there's no real news being made in these things. He comes on, says whatever he wants, and, uh, you know, then, then by the time the local news is supposed to be, at least you get a little of it, you don't get any of it, and then you're stuck rehashing what he said for the next three hours on various you know, cable TV shows. Yeah, so well, you know, uh, yeah. the thing that I stopped watching is the rehash. Yeah, why do you need the rehash? Because yeah. it, it's almost like, I mean, we're stuck in our houses anyway, doing our shelter in, in place thing. So every day feels the same. And part of every day feeling the same is seeing him on the TV from six to eight or whatever it is. Basically, take it's almost like, Every day for him is, uh, remember that old Seinfeld episode, Festivus? Mm -hmm. Part of Festivus was the airing of the grievances. This, it's like Festivus every day when that thing comes on. Because you know there's going to be airing of grieving, whatever the governor said during the course of the day. It's like he waits until the end of the day so that he can make sure he got all of the, you know, all the things that people said about him. So he can then go on for two hours on national networks and air the grievances. I think you make a really good point about uh, local news, though. Um, you know, the, I, I think from from what I've uh, read and the research I've seen that there's a, a, a large percentage of American population gets its news primarily from local television newscasts. Um, and, and so part of the philosophy and the strategy is to block out those local newscasts and to keep them from coming on. Now, I think it's interesting that there is a, you know, there's, there's, I think the Congress is very close to voting in some additional monies to be given to the local news uh, uh, stations around the country to help support them during what's going on now. But I find that kind of odd if there, if there's not any local news to see at that, at that prime time hour. There's, there's you know, Whatever you think, there's there's some media strategy, some serious media strategy behind doing this and behind knowing that the business people who used to be journalists are going to cover it live. You know, I, I watch Morning Joe every morning on MSNBC, and it's kind of the same but the opposite. Uh, the first 15 minutes every morning is a rehash of the history of Trump's failings in great detail. <laughs> And then it's a rant. And even <laughs> free with everything I hear, I can't watch it anymore. Because it's kind of, I'm done with that. <laughs> it's like, you know, Steve, Steve, Steve was saying, we were having a conversation this week. Don't, I'm sorry, I'm going to give away this, Steve. But both Steve and I, I, I don't know, uh, I, I was a real MSNBC fan. Uh, and I'm starting to feel exactly the way you feel. Um, uh, Keith and, and I've switched back to watching CNN, which which seems to be less um, uh, as manic uh, anti-Trump as as MSNBC is. And I'm not watching it because it's less anti-Trump. I'm watching it because it's not as manic. I'm watching more CNN because you might get one of those Cuomo on Cuomo interview videos, and I kind of like those. They kind of break up the the constant. Uh, monotony of bashing and you know, all of that stuff. So. Right. Well, you know, it's the, the Maryland uh, governor uh, has been doing some pretty good stuff. 
Um, and, I, there, and every time I hear an interview with this guy, he's a, he's a Republican. Uh, he, he's he's well-spoken. He's doing some great things for the state. And, uh, and he manages to get his point out about his uh, concern over what the White House is doing and their lack of helping him. And look, the guy bought 500,000 test kits from South Korea with the help of his South Korean wife. Um, and and got nothing but a boatload of grief from the president in one of those live news conferences. But he yeah. he held back and didn't attack the president, which I thought was um, was pretty civilized. Anyway, yeah, sorry, Larry, Steve. Larry Hogan, right? That's his name. Yeah, yeah. 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 So so I, I think there's a, a common thread here, which is that we're moving from uh, how the media. Uh, responded to the immediate crisis, which was used to be Trump and now is uh, the virus. And, uh, and now we're in a phase where we should probably start emulating the strategies of the doctors. What are they doing uh, to be able to move the ball forward? And the, the other way of framing this, uh, I would suggest is, Imagine what it's going to be like, not the next normal or, you know, some sort of return to all the things that we used to know and love, but rather what's the normal going to be for this period of experimentation of uh, political, uh, you know, uh, arguments, etc. What is going to look and feel more positive the negative in this time frame. Anybody have any ideas about that? Well, the, mo the most positive is the general population's preparedness to act together to an end goal. I mean, that, I would say almost ever since the civil rights movement and the Vietnam War protests, there's never been a time in recent history when very, very large numbers of people did something together for the common good. And being, to, being together is actually being apart. Yeah, but you know, people really, uh, I mean, there's a fear element, but not that much. I think it's, you know, the whole thing about the mask is to protect others from you is, a, is symbolic of that. I, 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 I started wearing a mask. Early on, I didn't wear a mask because I felt stupid. As soon as that message landed, I started wearing a mask when I go to the store. And, and, and so I think that a human desire to do good is not dead. Yeah, but oh, God, I would no. say most of the folks that I see, you know, wearing a mask, I don't think they're looking at it like that. I think they're thinking, I'm protecting myself. It, although right. all the doctors say it's really to protect folks from you. I don't get that from the folks wearing the masks. I think they're looking at it as, look, I don't want your cooties and I'm going to protect myself from it. So maybe we let them think that because then they'll still wear the stuff and it works for us in general. But I don't think there's that altruistic, you know, oh, I'm wearing the mask so I will protect everybody from me. I think you that know, some of the I people wearing the masks and carrying the guns uh, are wearing the masks for an entirely different reason. Yeah. Dennis? I was going to say that it's premature to say this, but you might look back on this 10 years from now and say, this is when the oil industry was broken. 
if you think about it, we're, we're not using what we, what we typically use. We've got no more storage space for it. The oil markets have cratered in the last couple of days. Uh, oil actually went negative. Um, people may, from this, uh, do a couple of things. Uh, discover that they don't have to drive to work or they don't have to drive as much uh, or go to as many places as, as they have been going. And, and the virus may prevent us from uh, doing some of that anyhow. And that might provide a, a bigger opening for alternative energy to uh, to come along. And, and uh, you know, we're seeing Teslas and uh, I, I saw a new one today, the Ionic, uh, when I was walking my dog. Uh, there, there's capacity to, to build and deploy electric vehicles and, and other kinds of things. I think, uh, I think, and I've written about this before, I think the oil industry uh, may be about to go into decline. There certainly isn't enough petroleum in the ground to fuel us for the next century. We're going to have to come up with something else. Um, the The industry appears to be tearing itself apart right now. I wondered if we, uh, I, this is me now exposing myself as a narrow-minded individualist who only cares about himself, but I did think yesterday, is this a buying opportunity? <laughs> <laughs> You're not the only one. Well, it is, but, it is, except that you've got no place to take delivery. Yeah, because now if you if you buy an oil option, you actually have to get it. You can stick it in your pool, those of you who have pools. So we need Instacart for oil, is what you're saying? <laughs> I, I, I thought it was interesting. It didn't, it didn't, the, didn't the number go up like by $38 a barrel today? At, uh, Minus 14, it went to plus one point something. Um, the futures it's up around 30. Yeah. Yeah, which which means that Hence, that's the real price. If you could buy for if you could buy for minus something and sell for 30 you'd be doing pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> Except you'd be competing with Saudi Arabia to try to get rid of it. Yeah, but see Trump has already diverted all that uh, cash that he's stolen to uh, the wall so he doesn't have uh, any more uh, funds. Yeah, well, how about we that? We don't have a wall either. Yeah, there you go. The, the, uh, I, I was going to say long-term thing, and this, this is preoccupying me personally, so don't feel the need to talk about it, but I have become obsessed with the practicalities of doing universal basic income, um, actually, actually delivering it um, through software and um, tokens to the world. Um, and it feels to me as if the inability of the government to distribute $1,200 to people is, shows a massive need for digital currency and wallets and the ability to spend from those wallets that, that is trivial from a software point of view, but doesn't exist. Um, so it, it feels like the universal basic income moment. Yeah, but trying to get the entire country to... <laughs> Well, that's a good point, but you know, there was an article in the Post or the Times this morning that made the comparison that uh, the Canadians were able to drop two thousand dollars in people's bank accounts overnight. Uh, so it's it's not a universal problem; it's a United States problem. Mm -hmm. But, but isn't that a lot of that? The software, yeah. the software engineering is trivial compared to the social engineering. Mm. Uh, yeah. 
so that's the biggest so uh, well I hesitate to answer because then I'm going to go down a rat hole of explaining it which Steve probably doesn't want me to do so I won't wow but I didn't we're just going to leave us dangling <laughs> no I mean you know universal what is it called UBI universal basic income yeah um isn't that what Yang ran on yeah. absolutely yeah yeah it, it it's 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 fascinating how many of the radical ideas that surfaced during the democratic uh run for the nomination now seem eminently uh practical and desirable um things like uh, universal health care universal basic income uh which were you know fringe and nutty things just uh, four months ago people are saying well why don't we have that now how can we get oh. it you know, th that, that brings up the uh, voting by mail uh, conundrum. Anybody want to talk about that? Yeah, you know, why the don't they, uh, why doesn't forever? I mean, doesn't like 30% of the population it? always do that? Why, I don't get the big deal. So. Well, the well big you know, if, if the government right? doesn't support this United States Postal Service, uh, that's, that's going to be a real problem for that. Well, I, yeah. To me, that's the weakness of vote by mail is the U.S. Postal Service. I, I'd rather have it, you know, UPS or uh, FedEx do it. <laughs> so, yeah, unless Amazon buys the Postal Service. Well, I'm, I'm good I with that. I don't think Trump will ever let that happen. He'd rather see it die on the vine than Amazon to do that. You mean the Washington Post Amazon? <laughs> <laughs> the Whamazon. The corrupt... Yeah. Washington Post, Jeff Bezos, Amazon. Yeah, you got to throw it all out there. Really. Yeah, it's all got to be there. You're right. <laughs> but I, and that's I live a, in I mean, one of four states. I live in one of four states where vote by mail is universal. There is no in-person voting. Um, everybody gets mailed a ballot. Everybody gets mailed a booklet with the ballot. And you, you have a, a, a two or three week window to send it back. And that's it. Um, now, the, it, it's interesting. There is a there is a way to route around the mail because they do put drop boxes in front of the city halls and many of the libraries. So if you'd like to drive your ballot into to a collection point, you can do that. Uh, but but there is no you know old old style voting location where people uh, are greeted by old volunteers and line up in booths and mark their ballots. Uh, you bring your ballot in completely marked. And one of the conveniences is that you have as much time as you need to research anything that's on the ballot, uh, either through printed material or online material, uh, and you don't feel any social pressure to get out of the voting booth so the next person can come in. You take your time, fill out your ballot, and either well, mail that's the or big, carry that's, it in. That's the big issue. You, they don't want, when I say they, some people don't want it so convenient that everybody can vote because if everybody can vote, that might not be good for some folks who'd rather limit the amount of votes that are, are able to get counted. Clearly, uh, I mean, Trump has a, a, a great predilection for saying the quiet part out loud, and he said it explicitly. If everybody votes, Republicans won't win. Uh, I mean, he just said it. Everybody knows it. That used to be that used to be the dog whistle. It used to be the subtext. Uh, he just puts it right out there where everyone yeah, can hear you know, it. That, that, I agree with that. Yeah. But the, those of us who lived through uh, the time when we were all activists, which I think almost all of us did, um, you know, we would do things like, for example, there's a great uh, software thing called Bright ID. Bright ID is um, 
it uses blockchain and it's a guarantee of uh, unique identity without saying who you are. So every human being can only have one of these. There's no way to get two. So it's a way of stopping double counting. And, um, you know, if we built uh, an app that said on the same days of the election, install this app and vote, um, we could have, assuming everyone did it, we could have results within seconds from everywhere in the country and know what the result was. And uh, so it, the mail system is kind of like one way of doing it, but technology is even better than the mail system. And by the way, these bright ID things, you could put voting booths anywhere you want, like in the newsagent or the liquor store, probably a bad idea, um, to, to, where people could, uh, if they didn't have a smartphone and couldn't, install the app they could still go and register their vote so i think we're kind of responsible for how fucked up things are because we're not even ourselves leveraging the tools to put these people to shame it hasn't yeah, estonia um, done something not dissimilar to that where everyone that lives in estonia has an electronic id attached to them and uh and things are done through the use of that electronic id kind of making estonia maybe the most technologically forward-thinking place on the planet? Exactly. Well, I mean, the, the problem with those kinds of uh, outcomes is what happens when the, uh, uh, you know, the other guys take advantage of it? It's fine. I mean, you want a level playing field. What, what's fine? I mean, you know, how many, uh, do, do you really want to have uh, who you voted for uh, be publicly available? No, it wouldn't be. It don't, they don't even know who you are. They just know that you're a unique individual and you didn't get counted twice. Oh, you mean that this internet thing is completely safe? <laughs> well, it can be. It depends on the quality of the software, right? Well, the thing that I uh, heard when you guys were talking a little bit earlier, uh, it reminds me of how I voted, how we, Tina and I voted uh, this time, because this was at the beginning of the... Uh, pandemic but we were already pretty nervous at that point and uh so i didn't want to go and vote and uh it was too late to vote by mail because it was the day of the election and uh, uh what we ended up doing was we just dropped the ballot off so i think that the innovation for this period of time is contact less voting it's not by mail. It's not, it's just, if, you know, you, you take the thing out and you toss it to them and they give you a thumbs up after seeing your name on the list and you're done. I agree. Hey, I'm, I'm all in for contact lists. I just did a contact list uh, pickup at, uh, was it Chipotle? I mean, when you start doing contact lists, you start wondering why do we not just keep doing more contactless for certain kind of things. All right, so Michael, uh, why is that a bad idea, what I just said? It's not a bad idea. Um, it, it, you know, I, I, I just, uh, if, you, if you control how you mail out ballots, you don't even have to uh, check people off on the list. I mean, your, your identity is part of the ballot that you turn in. Dennis? What he said, 
I don't, I don't have a problem with that. So you, the, you, you, know, don't think the, that there's a, uh, you don't think there's a downside? Well, think, look, there, there, is a, there is a social ritual to uh, making a pilgrimage to a voting place. Mm -hmm. And there, there is some value to that. And when we went to the original vote by mail here in Washington, I said, oh, I, I'm going to miss that terribly. But then I didn't. You know, my, my substitute was to wait till election day, not to mail it in in advance, to wait till election day, and then drive to City Hall and drop it off in the box. Um, so I, I felt some ritual, emotional connection to the old ways. But you know, lately, I've, I've just been mailing it in. It's easy. I, I felt no ritual to the old ways. I hated being in a line with a bunch of people. Uh, in Georgia, I mean, I'm sure in other states it's happened as well, but there are some places that, you know, you were in line for five hours. My mom and dad, they sent in their absentee ballot two minutes and they're done. I, I'd rather have that model than the ritual of standing well, in line I, in no, Georgia. I've, I've never lived in a place where I, I was subjected to that kind of uh, voter restriction, where where there are so few votes. Uh, voting places available compared to the people who want to vote that you're stuck in a, in a line for hours. So I, I, I recognize that and it's, it's, it, it's something that I've just never lived through. Uh, I've always been able to just walk I'm up glad and you pretty much walk in. It's not fun. Yeah. Think about Wisconsin though. Interesting. Uh, what oh, happened man. there, uh, you know, they, they took what a hundred and some polling stations and put it down to five, forced people to go out and do it while the, while the mayor sat there in a hazmat suit and said everybody was going to be safe, uh, and then they all voted, and in and in the end, voted the Republican judge out. So I thought that one backfired, didn't it? Yep, that was a good good case. So I'm in yeah. favor of the voting them out part, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> what about the canceling the election part? Uh, who's talking about that? Uh, Trump. Trump and many paranoid people. Yeah. Wait a minute, he actually said, said that? I used I've to heard paranoid people, but that. not Trump. I used to reject that whole idea that, you know, Trump's going to get a third term. All that stuff is uh, nonsense. Mm. But uh, effectively, if, if they stop the election, then they can't frog march him out of the White House. Well, yes, they can, because his term is over. His, his term ends on January 20th, whether he's been reelected or not reelected, uh, especially if he's not been reelected, then, then you have to go to the presidential line of succession. Or, or they pass the law to extend. No, the law, law won't do it. You have to amend the constitution. The simple law won't do it. And the presidential line of succession is problematical too, because everybody, in the line of succession is is usually an appointee. It's like the Secretary of State or whatever, uh, or the, the Speaker of the House, and they've all been uh, elected to the same basic terms. Nancy but Pelosi yeah, so, is third in line. Yeah, uh, people are saying that. Well, it's going to be it's going to be Nancy Pelosi, but uh, her term ends as well. So uh, exactly, right. So so what happens is is like I was talking about before. This is another one of those boundaries that tr Trump has crossed. We've never had this issue before because everybody played by the rules. Now, with, with no, if, if what Steve says comes to pass, then we, we have no rules and no backup for how this 
this works. Hasn't hasn't the the uh, Constitution already been trampled? Quite a bit. Pieces of it, of course, yes. Yeah. yeah, but you know, for most people, and I'm not talking about people on this call, or Democrats for that matter, uh, for most people, you know, the trampling the Constitution is an abstract concept. It doesn't really mean much. Yeah. Unless it's the said, Second Amendment, then, you know, all bets are off. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, let's I'm, liberate Virginia. <laughs> I think I'd be more concerned with how ineffective Biden is being during this time than I am with anything untoward happening. That's why we need the fairness doctrine. Is Which Biden was, ineffective or is he playing rope-a-dope? I, I hope he is. <laughs> it's hard to know the difference because if it is rope-a-dope, it's ineffective. <laughs> Well, no, growing I up in know. Delaware. I don't agree with that. I mean, you just said before somebody, maybe Frank, uh, was pointing out that uh, in Wisconsin, uh, when the smoke cleared, guess what? It backfired. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. And if you look so, at Trump's numbers right now, his numbers have been declining for, for a couple of weeks. What Trump is doing is not working. And in his best day, he has not commanded a majority of the, of the opinion, the public so opinion. Let, let's talk about Zoom for a few minutes. Okay. Mm. That was a, a an abrupt change in direction. Yeah. Well, put on know. the brakes, make a left. <laughs> <laughs> they Zoom. do call it the Gilmore Gang for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, seriously, there is a a, a a connection. I just haven't revealed it yet, or thought of it. <laughs> Oh, so I guess you're not. Gonna so he's going to leave it to to everybody else to well, figure that no, one out. No. Hey, you know what? Let's let's gang up on him. What do you mean by that, Steve? <laughs> <laughs> what would you? You know, Frank used to be the, like the czar of uh, entertainment programming at CNN. What would you do with that? You know, a host or some minor cog in the wheel like me? Uh, what do you just cut him off? Oh, absolutely, Dina. You can do that now. Yeah. <laughs> go ahead no seriously all right so here here's here's one thought uh, what zoom represents to me is the next version of the web web or the internet well yeah until there was a web who cared about the internet not me the information superhighway it, the ability Elaborate. to be able to, I mean, you know, blogs, websites, you know, who cares? Uh, Zoom, everybody cares. Yeah, it's funny that, that you know, even, even people who have been slapped around about the security issues of Zoom have totally ignored it. And yeah, market, stock has continued to go up. The market company is like a 35 billion or something like that now wow so well, what was it before all this happened i don't know five two well, it's a, it's gone up a lot if you if you do it as a multiple of revenue it's trading at like 400 times revenue which is right. 
sustainable. Yeah, but I mean, what it represents is, I mean, you know, looking at the market numbers right now is an exercise in uh, fantasy. But uh, what it does represent is, is that people, uh, yeah, they're concerned about their uh, privacy and security, but they're not as concerned about that as, uh, you know, their ability to keep uh, in touch with their friends and family uh, and survive this thing. That's why everybody's still on Facebook. But the question is, what, you know, what does Zoom substitute for? I don't think it substitutes for the web. I think Zoom substitutes for phone calls, Zoom substitutes for in-person meetings. Uh, it's, it's not uh, the replacement of the web. There are, there, are, there are different kinds of communications, some of which are very involving and engaging, and some of which are more casual, uh, where people will keep multiple, uh, multiple windows open, or uh, you know, the, the very light communication of a Twitter stream, which is just a, a sentence or two at a time, and you're on to the next one. Uh, when you get involved in a Zoom call, you're pretty much uh, preoccupied for as long as it takes. So it's a, it's a different kind of thing. It's not, uh, it's not the yeah, new I, web or the new, well, not, you know, if anything, it's the new television or, or the new going out to uh, meetings. I don't think people who figured out all the things that you can do with Zoom or will uh, in the future. I don't completely disagree with you, uh, Michael, but I do think that, for example, remember that, that when 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 the, uh, in, uh, the the internet started and you would be sitting across from somebody in the same room and instead of talking to them, you'd send them a text or you'd send them an email. I don't know about you, but right. that's what we sure. did at NBC. And, and I, it, you know, but there were still people in the room. I, I actually can envision a time when this window with the six of us is sitting over on my second monitor while I'm doing stuff on my other monitor and you all are doing your thing. And I'll turn over and look over at my other monitor and say, uh, you know, so Brent, what do you think about blah, blah, blah? And now it's become a different kind of a, of a, yeah. a different texture to it. Another so, data point. Another data point about this. Let me just uh, toss another data point in uh, to reinforce what Frank just said. Uh, uh, Facebook portal. Does anybody know what that is? Yeah. I've been thinking about getting it. Yeah. Really? Um, wow. So briefly what it is, is FaceTime on, in a box. On, on your TV, if you, you know. Uh, whatever. It's, it, yeah. you know, you, and if you've got Wi-Fi and you've got a persistent connection, uh, you can nail it up between two locations or more. But the two location point is that, anyway, uh, the data point is it's sold out. Really? After like yeah. a couple of years sold of out. sitting around can't doing nothing? Can't get them. Wow. Yeah. Because it speaks to the same thing that you're talking about, Frank, which is uh, this uh, ability to basically take your social media environment and add video and not only replace your personal life, but also a significant portion of your professional life, which is why this thing is so, you know, built out and why Microsoft is trying to co-opt it with uh, Teams. And, you know, the, the growth of all these uh, communications packages uh, is uh, a, a, a testament to the underlying hunger uh, for us to be able to, you know, when we don't believe the president and we don't believe that the Congress can do anything, who, what do we believe? Uh, 
something about this, I think, is, you know, an extension, maybe instead of the web, uh, Michael, it's an extension of social media. I would add um, that there is some level of what you're, you're talking about, Steve, in the voice category. So in the, the Amazon Alexas and the Google Home devices with video, so an Amazon show, which is a, either a five inch screen or a, I think a 10 inch screen. Um, I got the that, that seven inch screen, I think. Really a cool device. And I think that, that, you know, that, that there's a lot to be said about what's going on in the voice uh, world right now. And, you know, can combine the voice world to what it is we're talking about. I mean, there are people who are saying that the voice world is the new internet as well. So, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting thing that we're going through right now in communication. And it certainly changed, for example, all of live television production. It doesn't exist anymore. It exists like yeah, this. No, it, it, lo it looks like the Gilmore Gang, for God's it, sake. Yeah. <laughs> you know, with all the, all the latency and uh, out of sync visuals and- Yeah, that won't, horrible. but that won't, that will not last very long because there's an awful lot of people out there who are using television cameras and green screens and then putting great looking backgrounds. And look at, the, look at these six of us here. The, there's, you gotta say, Keith's got the shot. Uh, 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 Brent, yours is pretty good too. But imagine with better cameras and better lighting and better audio, which is what's happening out there. Um, uh, then, uh, and then combine that with, you know, look, a lot of people are also using, still using WebEx. Cisco is a big deal uh, on, on, uh, uh, on, M on MSNBC, I think, or is it CNN? One of the two of them is doing primarily all of their stuff using Cisco. And, and I think one of them meets either MSNBC or CNN is still using some measure of Skype and Zoom. Uh, but as things get better, and as all of this stuff starts happening, the whole world of television production has completely changed. I mean, we, we talked about this last week when we talked about what the heck are the unions for the broadcast unions going to do with this last world. This world is, it was oh, like whenever a that ago, was. Go ahead. It, was it a month ago? No. Gosh, I don't know. I honestly, yesterday feels like a month ago. But anyway, um, you know, just I, I think that the, the whole world of communications and maybe a lot of it has to do with what's going on with the coronavirus issue has changed and will forever be changed. Frank, what I, I think that if you ask the question, how has the internet evolved over the past, I would go back to 2007 since the iPhone. If you asked how the internet's evolved as we move first to apps and then to, um, let's say, any to any, uh, where, where um, you know, think of me as a node and Steve as a node and Brent as a node, we're all nodes, and uh, a web page is another node, and um, a, a podcast is another node, and a newsletter is another node. What's really happened is that we've got increasingly close to a world in which anything is available to anybody always. And it's now about what you choose to mix together. Um, and uh, we're, we're at that moment where the quality of what you can mix together from all sources, I'm not going to do it because Steve will shoot me virtually. But if, if I wanted to share a web page now, I could. If I wanted to play the Rolling Stones song from Lady Gaga's show the other night, on the show I could. No, you couldn't because that would be a copyright violation. And it would, oh, 
see if it was. Uh, and if you were right, also, uh, if this was being shown on Facebook Live, uh, they have algorithms that would yeah. stop the audio. Oh, that was you, uh, Brandon. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of know that one by heart. But yeah. There are a couple of things, yeah. though. <laughs> There's a, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I've been a DJ for a long time, and I just started doing it again. And that kind of brings us back to, I think what we're seeing with Zoom and these other things is, you know, interactive engagement between creators and so-called fans. And as those two worlds get together and become more collaborative, that gives the fans the, 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 the kind of the, the opportunity to become creators themselves. I mean, there's, I uh, just saw a stat where uh, I think video game sales have, this is the highest they've been in 12 years. And that, and it, Twitch is going crazy with Amazon. So people that started out liking to watch gamers game now are trying to be those guys themselves. And then what's going on with the DJs? You know, they can't go out into the clubs and, and do their thing. So now there are Instagram DJs all over the place. And some of these folks are getting upwards of 100,000 people watching their streams. And so they're able to see, you know, the, the kind of how their fans are reacting almost the same way as they, if they were in a club, but there's more engagement, there's more ability to kind of track this stuff. And I think that's kind of driving this as well as, you know, just people doing what we're doing. I mean, it's like, they wanna, they wanna collaborate to the point where they want to be, be like the guys that are watching at some point. Well, I think one more, uh, just one more e example of the uh, endless fragmenting of the mass audience. You know, that we, we, we lost the three television networks and the three mass circulation magazines. And now we're going to cable networks and YouTube and Zoom and everyone being a node that's both a, an audience and a broadcaster. Uh, you know, how do we how do we have a sense of what the general is? Do we need to have a sense of what the general is? I mean, you know, look, uh, you you, may, you mentioned Twitch. CBS just uh, um, bought a company that does what Twitch does, and they're getting into that gaming uh, two way uh, stream as well. I also think that um, the issue that Steve brought up about the um, uh, about the copyright infringement that that's going to be re-examined BMI and ASCAP and, and, and all of that, they're going to have to look at this and say, we, we need to co-op this. We can't shut it down. That's what happened with Napster. <laughs> when the music industry tried to shut Napster down as opposed to jumping on its back and creating something new, I think that, that part of what's going on here is going to not only be what's happening in our world and, and the change in our world, but it will change other things uh, that will be associated to it. And, and as, as Michael, as you just said, we did go from being, you know, watching television to becoming our own journalists to now being our own broadcasters. So that's just a natural, I think, progression of, of the way the technology and the society is coming together. Yeah, I think that the idea of, of you know, becoming our own broadcasters, I think that that's attractive, but I don't, I think it's a little bit, uh, it misses the point, which is if you don't have a connection to uh, a group or an audience or a, you know the the issue of shelf space on the internet, it's it's just wide open. So uh, yeah, sure, we can all do this, but uh, the question is, is what do we do with it? Well, there well are the audience people, will. Some people are adept at audience building and community building. 
they they have that in in mind in their intention as they put stuff out and and they scoop people up through various uh mechanisms um so i mean you know, frank frank had a good point i thought when he said uh, do we really need uh, a general audience uh and i don't know the answer to it but i i think that people who are good at scooping up for a general audience may have less to do with what's happening right now and about to happen uh you know permanently which is you know I mean, we've talked about this in the past dennis what's your thought about uh this issue do you do you see uh, any connection with previous media generations uh other than i know you love tv so much that uh, you're captivated by this conversation but can you give us some context well, I don't know if I can give you some context, but it, it strikes me that um, it would be helpful to look through the other end of the telescope. I think what's happening more than what technologies we use is, is that we're defining a new commons. And the, the commons is what's going to generate the general audience. It's, it's going to regenerate the general audience. And uh, uh, the way things are evolving, the way things are set up, uh, everything is opt-in. I'm not a broadcaster, you are. Uh, but I, I can take advantage of some, some things like this if it strikes my interest or not. I can go off and do something else. Uh, what, what we've got now is this great big wormhole that, uh, that is uh, increasingly becoming our, our, the way we interact and I think if you look at what's happened with the virus, it's pushing us into this commons and is pushing mm. us to, to, to flesh out this commons. I think we were, going in this, we were going in this direction already anyway. I mean, if you think about it, from, from, from broadcast television, which then went down the funnel, then became cable television, because you could be niche and, and give somebody the Real Housewives of, uh, of Atlanta, uh, if you wanted to, and they didn't have to watch some, uh, some, you know, a Seinfeld episode on NBC. And then it goes down even further into streaming, which has become, you know, I don't know about you, but I've, I, I can't think of a single night during the last four weeks that I haven't stayed up really late, but binging on something most recently, Bosch, uh, which is just the that was best. actually good. That was great. Absolute. No spoilers. No spoilers. No. And, and I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna spoil it. But it is the absolute best cop show on television or on the stream right now. So we've come from broadcast to cable to the stream to now our own personalized broadcast networks. I think we're headed. We've been headed in that direction, and the virus just pushed it over the top. By the way, that, exactly. That's not only true. Sorry. Go ahead, Michael. That was uh, uh, Dennis agreeing. Vicera. I was just violently agreeing. <laughs> you know, even if you even if you un unwind this whole thing past internet, past broadcast, past mass media like movies, in the 19th century, there was somehow communication that put a piano in the parlor and sold Stephen Foster sheet music all over oh, the country. Susanna. Uh, there was a common culture, even when we didn't have a, a common means of, uh, of dispersing it. When, when all we had was the telegraph and, uh, and things carried on horses. 
Hey, we had smoke signals. It was, we had smoke signals before that. Right, but but as Neil Postman points out, the the content of what you can convey in a smoke signal is probably not quite that rich. <laughs> what, what, I don't know if anyone's yeah, considered a, a smoke signal. What what we're describing is the increasing power of the individual and their network when looked at from the point of view of anybody that wants to disseminate anything. So if you look at advertising right now, it's going uh, internet advertising it's all focused on influencers and what is an influencer it's a person with followers and um you know if you've got a great podcast you can make quite a decent bit of money from sponsorships um if you are an influencer if you've got followers so you've got the the power of the individual using the tools with their network and now you look at that from procter and gamble's point of view they have to have a completely different way of disseminating um, marketing messages about their products than they had before. So it's audiences, plural, replace audience, singular. And, um, and I think that is locked in and loaded now. Is what, my interpretation of what Steve said about uh, this is it replaces the internet. Well, it definitely replaces singular portals like yahoo.com, which began to erode around 1999. And it even uh, undermines uh, uh, centralized cloud services um, because we're getting decentralization and power at the edge. You know, the idea that, um, that, the broad, that what we're doing is sort of uh, media in the time of coronavirus. So, uh, uh, but there, there's an entirely different conversation to be had about advertising in the time of coronavirus. It has changed completely. And I, I don't, I, and I can tell you as somebody who buys advertising, that going out and trying to buy advertising right now, it's a buyer's market. It has never been a buyer's market before. Well, there's something else that's, that, that's going on in the coronavirus. Uh, you know, when you mentioned Procter and Gamble, one of their, uh, all packaged goods, one of their big merchandising platforms is the supermarket aisle and the package design. And that's disappeared. Um, you know, you used to be able to introduce new products on in an, in an end cap in a supermarket. Now, now that's gone. You haven't just lost uh, broadcast television. You've also lost the supermarket. Well, and you, you so, certainly lost uh, outside advertising is gone. I mean, you know, if, if you're not driving down the street or walking through Times Square or being in pick owning that 350 foot screen with a message on it doesn't matter there's a lot of there's a lot of data that uh, it's not gone it's in hibernation number one number two uh, it, the subscription model is uh, is taking up a lot of the slack and then there's you know what we're all doing right now I think which is uh, gathering uh, audiences uh, for when it comes back uh, so, you know, I, I, one of the nice things about the virus is, is that uh, we, we're going <laughs> to have plenty of time to, we're going to have plenty of time to talk about this. Tell us about the nice things about, about the virus, show. Uncle Steve. What are the yeah, nice that's things? The head, that's the headline, Steve, right there. One yeah. of the nice things about the virus. <laughs> no, the headline is whatever <laughs> Tina decides it is. Okay, uh, just quickly around the table because, and starting with Keith, because he has to jump. Uh, uh, just uh, last thoughts, and I don't mean that in any uh, significant yeah. way. Pro, pro tip, 
um, this behind me is an iPhone video. So anywhere that you want to put in your backdrop, just go and take an iPhone video in good light of whatever it is. Yeah, if you spent 50000 on a Mac Pro. No, just an iPhone. It's just an iPhone video. Nothing. No, but it only works because you've got like 25 cores. No. no. <laughs> Number two, I've got a normal Logitech camera, and it's but I'm facing the light. You've got to have a light facing at your face. That's the two things. iPhone video behind, light facing at your face. Yep. Okay, uh, that's your comment? That's, well, that, I thought that Okay, uh, who wants to go next? Brent, you're laughing, you, you win. Yeah, oh, next time I know not to laugh when I'm on Gilmore again, yeah. Um, Never sit I'm, in the front row of a comedy club. Yeah, there it is. Rules to live by. All right, so, uh, Completely off topic. I am just so glad that ESPN moved up the uh, release of The Last Dance, the 10-hour 30 for 30 document documentary on Michael Jordan and the Bulls. It started Sunday. I wish they would just let us binge the whole 10 hours, but they're going to drip it out. But it's got everybody talking. It's like something that happened 22 years ago in sports has absolutely everybody talking because there's nothing else to watch that's uh, brand new so I'm all for it Michael Markman uh, I'll see you next time <laughs> Frank Raddus watch Bosch uh, you know, uh, Tina and I have this argument uh, about Bosch I love it Tina's like eh. <laughs> yeah just you know, if I'm telling you that um, uh, the, the the guy who plays Bosch is also the guy who does the voice on the audible versions of all the books that were written by the guy who wrote Bosch. Uh, wow. And it's it's really interesting to listen to the books and then watch the show and see how they've molded and put those episodes, hmm. the books together. Uh, and it's, it's fascinating. And no it's spoiler. great to hear it's great to hear him uh, um, narrating those books, but it's it's just it's fascinating and it's great stuff. Who, he's cute though. Who is Titus Welliver? Is that That's Titus his real Welliver. name? Yeah, yeah, Titus Welliver, and he's he's just the perfect Bosch. If you it, and I started reading the books before I saw the uh, the TV show, and and he is Bosch. It's it's wow. doesn't usually happen like that. Okay, Dennis Ambriant. Well, I hope you guys are happy. Uh, you've succeeded in slowly corrupting me. I've now made notes to watch Bosch and The Last Dance. And, um, you know, I'm going to have to wrestle with my wife to get the TV away from her. And uh, it's all your fault. And uh, <laughs> TV's done it. Blame is yeah, the more you I have, you, I have use your, one. I have one. Use your phone. Yeah, you can hide. You can hide under your pillow and watch it on your phone. That's what I do. <laughs> That's another note. <laughs> uh, seriously. Okay. Seriously, um, uh, the serious point I would make is that the Dow is down 600 points today because the oil, oil. Uh, markets are still in freefall, and uh, um, we are. You know, I, I, I disagreed or I didn't believe that we were embarking on finding the new normal, but over the last week, things have deteriorated or, or at least changed so significantly that now we, we, we can start talking about uh, 
everything we've talked about today, like the, the new commons, um, uh, how we're how we're getting along in the new new reality, and uh, you know, it's we're, we're just a month into this thing. It's amazing. It's a year. Oh, and we were we were so cheery until that last part, Dennis. Well, no, I we've survived my best of the, <laughs> the, the last dance. <laughs> the, there was yeah, a Larry Bird great. sighting in, in the last dance, by the way. Oh, well, okay. I have to watch it. Uh, I wanted, what about I Bill Belichick? Oh, uh, just a one quick tip uh, for uh, if you get CBS All Access uh, and you care about uh, Star Trek, nice. But uh, the uh, Good Fight uh, is a wonderful uh, show. I second that. Mostly because yeah. it's just so insanely uh, anti-Trump uh, that they they go into like fantasy episodes uh, about it. Where, yeah, did you write it down? Okay, I wrote it down. Hey, you got to pay money for it, uh, but it's worth it. Well, you, uh, can get, you can get a month for free, and you can probably get in most of the episodes in that month, and then uh, decide you don't want to pay money. Oh yeah, man, you can do that. You can you can do that with all of the services. Right. <laughs> Take, and, and then you have to choose between hey. that and having a job. No, no, I got time. I got time. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Hulu subscription. You did I did I get everybody? Uh, did they all say what? Uh, Can Tina give us something? Uh, well, Tina is about to be thanked by me. Tina, turn your camera on. Uh, just click the little icon no, lower no, left. It's, it's just that, do I want to do that? Yes. Oh, man. Okay, there you go. Thanks to our producer and director, Tina okay. Chase Gilmore. Thank you. Yay. You wave. Thank you. Okay. Thank you all. Uh, thanks to everybody who showed up and especially those who didn't uh, we'll see you again next time if there is a next time Ooh. bye stay healthy